Man, it feels like a minute, right? Like it just feels like it's been a while. Nobody lost any fingers during 4th of July. Everybody's got all their fingers, all their earrings. Everyone's good, safe. Okay, thank God. I appreciate that. Somebody's like, yeah, like no hands. Um, hey, real quick before we get into this word, uh, I just want to remind you guys of a couple of things. Uh, in a couple of weeks, uh, August 2nd, to be exact, we're going to be kicking off small groups again this year. August 2nd, we will be having our small group kickoff. And let me tell you, this is a great opportunity uh, to bring your friends, to have a wild time, to possibly do some gross things or fun things, depending how you look at it. Uh, but we, we have some exciting things planned out. We're, we're happy to get that going. So August 2nd, small groups kick off again. If you don't know what those are, if this is new to you, what we do during uh, the school year, basically the fall and the spring semesters, is we have small groups uh, every Friday night except the first Friday of the month. And what goes on in those small groups is you guys get together, and usually Thursdays you're sitting down listening from me, but on Fridays we want to hear from you. So we have an opportunity for you guys to talk, to build relationships, to get to know each other, uh, to grow in those relationships with each other. And uh, this is a vital aspect of what we do here at Excel. So we want to encourage each and every one of you to get plugged into small groups. I measure the health of our youth group by the health of our small groups. And so if those are looking good, then I know the rest of the group is looking good. Amen? Awesome. So make sure you kind of plan for that, get ready for that. I want to talk to you about uh, a particular character trait that I think is at the same time extremely admirable and extremely difficult. And I want to talk to you about confidence. How many would say they're a confident person? Raise your hand. See, all the people who aren't confident can't raise their hand. They're like, mm, no, no confidence. Um, it's one of those things that my wife said uh, really attracted her to me. Uh, she said she loved that I came across as really confident. I do think confidence is an attractive feature in people. Like, we're drawn to confident people. Like, we want to, if, if someone's going to be the leader, you want to make sure they're confident, right? You don't want to follow the guy that's like, I don't know what we're doing. It's like, uh, yeah, I'm going somewhere else, right? I'm going to find someone who knows what they're doing. You know, you don't want to have a teacher your first day of school. They're like, guys, I'm going to be honest with you. You terrify me, and I have no clue what I'm doing. You're like, can we get another teacher, right? That's, could you imagine, like, the bus driver pulls up, you get on. He's like, hey, I'm just going to let you know I'm really unsure about how to do this thing. But, hey, you can come and join the ride, right? We, we want people that are like, yeah, no, I got this, right? We want somebody who in the final seconds of the game, give me the ball. I am confident in what I'm doing. But the truth is, if we're honest, one of our biggest struggles that teenagers and adults go through is confidence, we don't believe that we're smart enough, good-looking enough, that we dress well enough, are gifted enough, athletic enough, talented enough. People can tell you all day long, oh, you're good at this, you're good at that. But we, in and of ourselves, often struggle with being confident, with believing it, not, not knowing it. Because a lot of times we know we can, we just don't believe we can. We, we don't really feel like we can do it. And if we're honest, most of us here... We probably battle with being confident on a daily basis. I'm going to tell you, here's some quick clues to tell you if you struggle with confidence. If you go to a restaurant and refuse to order and make the person with you order, you are struggling with confidence. If you're sitting there like, hey, ask, ask, for, ask for a Big Mac. And you're like, no, you ask them. I don't want to ask them. <laughs> my little niece, she's so cute. She's like four years old. My, my mom was taking care of her, and they were at a little restaurant. 
And she knows that my mom doesn't speak English that well. So she's like, Mama, don't worry. When they come over here and they ask, I'll talk for you, Mama. Don't worry. I'll, I'll order for you. And she's like, oh, that's sweet, sweetie. And so the waitress comes in and my mom's like, tell her I want French toast. And the waitress comes up and she literally sunk into her seat and hid under the table. And my mom's like, wow, super confident, sweetheart. You just left me hanging there, right? And again, that's a lot of us, you know, when it comes to, to public speaking, right, when, when they're like, hey, we need somebody from the group to be the one to present the thing. You're like, no, let them do it, right? And when you struggle with confidence, you don't want to be put on the spot. You don't want to be called out. You don't want anyone to notice you. There's an issue that comes with that. And this is a constant battle for many of us. And this can get serious because when you lose that battle on a consistent basis, oftentimes it can lead from just a lack of confidence to low self-esteem, to depression, to anxiety, to fear, and it limits your own potential simply because you lack confidence. The belief in what you can do is a real thing. And so tonight, I'd like us to understand three things when it comes to confidence. Where does it come from? How do we get it? And how do we keep confidence from becoming arrogance? Where does it come from? How do we get it? And how do we keep confidence from becoming arrogance? So if you're taking notes, we got to look at this. Number one, where does it come from? Well, when you look in the Bible, a majority of the people that God chose to use lacked confidence. Very few people were like, yes, God, I'm ready. Almost every person that God chooses in the Bible had an excuse or reason for why not me. Let's look at a few of them. There was a guy named Gideon. Gideon the Lord had called him out to be a mighty warrior. In his own words, he said, Gideon, you will be a mighty warrior. Gideon was supposed to lead an army against hundreds of fighters. This was like the original 300. And Gideon's response to God was, but Lord, I am the least of the least of the least. He goes, out of all the tribes of Israel, my tribe is the least. And out of all the families in my tribe, my family's the least. And out of everyone in my family, I'm the least. I am the worst of the worst of the worst. God, you don't want to use me. He lacked confidence. Then you look at a guy like Moses, right? Moses in the Bible, if you've seen The Prince of Egypt or any of those movies, Moses is the one whom God chooses to go into Egypt and set the Israelites free who were in captivity during that time. And God told Moses, Moses, you're my man. I'm going to use you. You're going to go in. You're going to tell Pharaoh that you're taking my people and you're busting out of here. And Moses' response to God was, but, 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 but I stutter. I'm not good at public speaking, God. You know, one of those major issues when it comes to public speaking is the lack of confidence. People tell you, hey, stand up before the class. And you would rather literally die. How many of y'all have seen people or have been that person who literally took the F? You ever seen somebody like, well, if you don't come up and do it, you're going to take an F. Give me the F. Right? I have seen people literally take the L rather than come up and stand because of the lack of confidence. Well, Moses is saying, hey, listen, I'll take the F, God. I'm, I can't do it. I, I'm not a good public speaker. I stutter. I have a stuttering issue. Look at a man like Abraham. Abraham was already almost 100 years old when God told him that he would have a son. Not only that, but he would have so many descendants that you couldn't count them. Uh, there would be more than the stars in the sky and the sands on the earth. And Abraham's looking at the situation. He's going, seriously, dude, I'm 100 years old. My wife is in her almost 90. And you're telling me we're going to have kids? No way that's going to happen. They looked at the current circumstance and he lacked confidence in this actually being able to happen. Or then you look at a guy named Joseph. 
Joseph was given this powerful dream that one day even his own family would bow before him, that he would be a leader of all leaders, that he would be someone that would do amazing things. But through the course of his life, he was abused. He went through a lot of difficult situations. He was sold out by his brothers, uh, literally, but they were plotting to murder him and then decided to sell him into slavery. Then he was accused of rape, falsely imprisoned. Then he was forgotten in prison for years. I mean, he had a dream from God, but he never realized the nightmare that was most of his life. And when you go through stuff like that, you can start to lose confidence. All these people had reason to lack confidence, but I want you to notice why they ended up doing the great things that God called them to do. Because Gideon did end up fighting and winning those battles. Moses did end up breaking the Israelites out of Egypt. Abraham did end up having more descendants than the stars of the sky and the sands in the sea. Joseph did end up being second in command of all of Egypt and doing amazing things for the Lord. But listen to this. Look at Gideon, Judges 6.12. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Now see if you can pick up the pattern. Let's look at Abraham, Genesis 17.19. But God replied, No, Sarah, your wife, will give birth to a son for you. You will name him Isaac, and I will confirm my covenant with him as his descendants are as everlasting as the covenant. Let's look at Moses, Exodus 4, verse 11 through 12. Then the Lord asked Moses, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what to say. And then Joseph, Genesis 39.2. The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served the home as an Egyptian master. The Lord was with them, and as a result, he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Did you notice the pattern with each one of these individuals? If you're taking notes, the first thing you got to write down is this. Confidence comes from God. Every single one of them, the Lord said, I am with you. I am with you. I am the one leading you. I am the one helping you speak. I am the one that's going to put you in that position. I am the one that's going to open the waters. I am with you. Your confidence is not in yourself. It is in the Lord. We can always come up with a million reasons why we can't. Why we fall short. How impossible it is for us to do. But true confidence comes from God. Oftentimes people will ask me when I'm speaking at a bunch of different places, they'll say, do you still get nervous? It's been 11 years I've been doing this. Do you still get nervous? And I go, yes, I'm always nervous. But I'm also always confident. Not in myself. I'm confident in what God has called me to do and what God is going to do. True confidence comes from God. Listen, Philippians chapter 4, verse 13 says, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Notice that word, keep that verse up there. Notice that it says, through him. You're not going to do it around God, right? You're going to do it through God. He is the one that's going to be the confidence bearer. He is the one that you put your confidence in. God has this amazing ability of taking a small thing from you and multiplying it into a big thing. Taking a couple of fish and loaves and feeding 5,000 with it. He is the one that we do things through. 2 Timothy 1.7, for the spirit of God gave us uh, does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. 
Proverbs 3.26, for the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. See, my confidence is not in my abilities. It's not in my talent. It's not what I'm able to do. My confidence is in God. And the more I've learned to rely on the Lord, the more I've learned to put the pressure on him. It's not on me. So if I'm doing a, a big camp or I'm doing a big service and there's a bunch of people and something that might intimidate others, I say, listen, whether good or bad, this is on God. As long as I know that I did my part, as long as I prepared, I'm prayed up, I did whatever God asked me to do, the results are up to God. Faithfulness is up to you. Okay? So you can be confident that you did what God called you to do. But when you want to be confident in the results, you need to put that on God. Each one of these men learned to be confident in the Lord. And when you learn to be confident in who he is, it doesn't matter who you are. In other words, God, he, he's like a big brother. You guys ever had that kid in school who you hated and you just want to punch in the mouth, but they had a bigger sibling and you knew you couldn't beat up the bigger sibling? And so you're just like, man, I wish your big brother wasn't here. I'll sock you in the mouth right now. Like that's, you think it in your head. You weren't confident enough to do it. But you think it in your head. Right? Oh, if your sister wasn't here, I'd have slapped the taste out of your mouth. These are evil, bad thoughts that you think. But they're thoughts. God is like having that big brother. Right? Because that, that person with the big brother, they talked a big talk, right? Because they knew they didn't have to back it up. Big brother, big sister backed it up. My sister was cool. She told me this has nothing to do with the sermon, but it's cool. Uh, actually, it was Pastor Evelyn, just so you guys can have fun with this. One time she pulled me aside when I was young. She goes, listen to me. Don't you ever put your hands on a woman. You tell me and I'll go take care of her. And I was like, bet. <laughs> so Pastor Evelyn and Pastor Joy, they took care of each other with that. Okay? But God is like that big brother. You walk with more confidence when you have that big brother. God is like, remember when you were little and you told everybody your dad can beat up their dad? And you just thought in your mind, like, my dad, your dad might have been 5'2", but in your heart, your dad was a giant. My daddy could beat up all y'all, right? There's this confidence when you walk alongside them. When you understand that you are walking with the Lord, when you have the confidence in the Lord, you don't worry about the things that you're not able to do. Being confident that God is with you, that he fights for you, that he strengthens you, that he sustains you. Listen, Jeremiah 32, verse 27 says, I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. Is anything too hard for me? Think about that. Is anything too hard for me? See, we get a lack of confidence when we look at a situation and we look at our ability. And when we look at those two things alone, we go, no way it's going to happen. But God says, hey, listen, I am God of all mankind. Is there anything that's too hard for me? No. There is nothing that's outside the realm of what God can do. God is with me, thus there is nothing that's too hard for him. So now that we know where it comes from, we got to know how to get it. So if confidence comes from the Lord, how do we get confidence in the Lord? I think it's important to understand this if you're taking notes number two. That confidence is a byproduct of faith. Confidence is a byproduct of faith. As we grow in our faith, we grow in our confidence. When you read the story of Gideon, Gideon asked God for several signs. 
Each time, God proved himself. So Gideon had confidence to fight an army of thousands when he only had 300 men. The odds were horribly against Gideon. But because he kept asking God for signs and God kept proving himself, every proof added to confidence. God showed Moses what he could do. Long before Moses ever spoke to a Pharaoh, he spoke with God and God started showing him what he can do. He made his hand uh, full of leprosy, uh, the skin-eating disease, and then healed it immediately. He turned his staff into a snake and then back into a staff. So Moses had no problem freeing a nation from a more powerful one because he had a power in God. He wasn't worried about Pharaoh and his armies because he understood what God had with his. God gave Abraham a son when he was 100 years old and his wife was 90. So when God asked Abraham to sacrifice that son, Isaac, Abraham didn't blink. He had confidence that even if I kill Isaac, God would bring him back. So a lot of times we look at that story and we wonder, how would Abraham, why would he bring his son up a mountain just to kill him? Because God asked and we think, what kind of God would do that? Well, again, when you look closer into the story, you see that God never intended in the long term to actually have Abraham kill Isaac. This was something that he was proving his faithfulness in. There was already a sacrifice available at the mountain that God was going to use. But even so, Abraham didn't know that. And Abraham is getting ready to kill the very promise that God had given him. And I think part of why Abraham was willing to do that, because Abraham realized, if God could give me a son at 100 years old, surely God can bring my son back to life if I kill him. That's insane confidence. But it was built on faith. One step led to the next. We wouldn't hesitate to be faithful back. See, if we took the time to regularly look back at how faithful God has been, we wouldn't lack faith in him. Our confidence would grow every time we saw God move. Faith grows confidence and confidence grows faith. Faith grows confidence and confidence grows faith. So in other words, um, you know, I might be at this level of faith. And I might struggle, whatever, but I, but I put my trust in God and God delivers. And now my faith has risen and so has my confidence. I have a different view of things. And then I remember that God called me to do something and God stepped up my faith. And when God calls me the next time to do it, I go, well, he did it the first time. I wonder what happens if I put my faith in him again. Then I rise up to another level of faith and I get a better perspective and confidence of what God is going to do. And you keep climbing up that faithful ladder. You keep climbing up that confidence. And so we wonder sometimes, we look at people and we go, man, how do you get faith like that? How is a person confident like that? Well, we don't see where they started from. Sometimes we only see the platform where they stand. And what you got to understand is that man, that woman, they went step by step trusting in God. And every little thing rose their faith a little bit more. Every experience, every moment of faith gave them a greater moment of confidence. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 6. So we may have, so we may say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Psalm 27, verse 3. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. Joshua 1 9. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. 1 John 4, 18, such love has no fear, because perfect love expels all fear. 
if we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. See, I will never put limitations on myself. Because I knew if God was in it, and I was willing to be faithful to the work, then nothing is impossible. You know, I have a, a, some pretty basic models that I live by, and one of them is, if I can, I will. I've always been willing to try if I, if I could. If I had an opportunity, if, if I had a chance, there's been plenty of things that I've stepped into where I wasn't sure if I could pull it off, I just knew I was available to try. First time I went to travel across the ocean, I wasn't sure if I could afford it. I wasn't sure if I would be effective, but I knew there was an opportunity and God had opened a door for me. And so I just trusted God and that led into six or seven or eight more travels across the ocean because I put my faith in the first one. First time I, I got to speak, I was nervous. Trust me, giving a speech in school is different than having to preach a sermon. Okay, because for me, the fear was not, am, am I going to be funny? Are people going to listen to me? The fear is, God, will you work through me? Will, will lives be changed? Will people be impacted? I don't want people walking away going, man, that guy sure was funny because I didn't want to be a stand-up comedian. <laughs> I want to be a pastor. And so there was a fear that I wasn't good enough. There was a fear that I wasn't mature enough, that I wasn't uh, well-read in my Bible enough. But I had to learn to, to set aside my own iniquities and begin to trust in who God is. It took me years to figure that out. Before that, I was horribly insecure, and I lacked a great amount of confidence. In grammar school, I was too skinny. High school, I was too fat. Grammar school, I was too much of a nerd. High school, I was too much of a jerk. <laughs> things kept flipping in my heart. I just didn't feel like I was ever in a right place to do the things that God had called me to do. I had so little confidence in myself that I would overcompensate by trying to act confident. There's a difference between acting confident and being confident. I was so insecure that I thought I needed to overcompensate so that people could not see my insecurities. They would see me as confident. But instead of seeing me as confident, people just assumed I was arrogant. Because when you act a part, you're not always being the part. So I was acting like a caricature of a person that was confident rather than an actual confident person. So people would talk about me. They think I was conceited. They think I was arrogant. And here's what I eventually figured out, and this is how all that stopped. If you're taking notes, number three. Confidence is faith in God. Arrogance is faith in yourself. Confidence is faith in God. Arrogance is faith in yourself. The arrogant, the conceited, their confidence comes from outward sources. Money, accomplishments, praise of others, collection of objects. It's accumulating these outside points. And here's the problem that's coming more and more often with this generation. We gain confidence in this world based on how many people viewed our story. How many people liked? How many people commented? Think about how many times you've been crushed when you've posted a picture and it got 12 likes. Or even saltier when you see like, okay, 12 likes, 1,000 views. Damn, y'all can't even just click the button. And it messes with you. It really does. 
It begins to play in your heart. You begin to wonder, man, do people care? You know, we work so long at trying to post the most perfect picture, the most perfect story. We, we try so hard to put up the best appearance. When we don't get that response back, it crushes your confidence. Why? Because your confidence is built on outward expression. Your confidence is built on outside praise. Sometimes we work so hard to accomplish goals. Why? So that people can rain down praise on us. So that people can tell us you're doing a good job. And I get it. Listen, we all want to a certain measure to be told, hey, I'm proud of you. Hey, you did a great job. But when that is the purpose behind what you're doing, then you're feeding on their praise, not on God's happiness for you. And the problem is that begins to create a bad habit. The arrogant have confidence in themselves, and as a result of the outward attention, the problem with that is when you pull the external support, self-worth goes with it. When people start blocking you, when people start ignoring you, when people stop lavishing praise on you, their confidence is in money until they're broke. You've seen this story as old as time, story after story of people who had all the money in the world and then suddenly gone. There was a 30 for 30 that I love. Uh, it's one of those documentary films, and it's called Broke. And they talk about professional athletes who had everything and are bankrupt and broke. And that happens more than you really understand. There's thousands of professional athletes who are on top of the world, had all the money they can think of, and are now broke. I was actually watching, uh, there's a, a football player who at one point I remember was given the richest contract for any defensive player. And right now he's on a transplant list waiting for an organ about to die. Money gave him a lot of value until money wasn't the, the thing that was going to save him anymore. Sometimes our confidence is in our schooling until you fail a class. Hey, there's some of us, a B, it'll crush you. Now me, I was good. I was like, yo, C's get degrees and whatever I need to do to pass is, is good. My wife, mm-mm, all A's. Anything less than an A, she would have a nervous breakdown about. She would be mad. She was like half a point away from some weird title or something. She was so angry. I'm like, girl, that's, you got a master's degree. Who cares? But listen, some of us, our confidence is in our grades. And so our identity is wrapped around our grades. And so the second you mess up on your grades, you feel like a failure. The second your grades aren't up to par, you start lowering your confidence. You start feeling like you're not good enough. You start wondering if you'll ever make it. Suddenly you're in seventh grade, you get a B in a class, and you think my entire career is over. I'm not going to be a doctor. I'll never amount to anything. I'm going to spend the rest of my life working at Popeye's. It's done. <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong with Popeye's, by the way. I like them chickens. <laughs> But that's what happens when your confidence is in your school rather than in your God. Sometimes their confidence is in their accomplishments until they don't win. See, your compliments, your, your accomplishments, you, you're the baddest basketball player in your school, man. You're killing it until you get to a better competition. And then suddenly, instead of being the best, you're just like everybody else or worse. And now you start to sink in your confidence because, you know, in my little grammar school, I was a top dog. I schooled everybody. Now in high school, I can't even make the team. Your accomplishments aren't where they used to be, and you start to sink within your ability, and you start to wonder, man, I'm not good at anything anymore. Why? Because the one thing I was good at, I'm not the best anymore. 
And that can go for anything. It doesn't have to be just sports. It can be any kind of accomplishment where you're seeking outside praise and then suddenly the praise stops. Because you might be the best one right now in high school and you may not make it to a college scholarship. Then what? You may not make it to the pros. There's plenty of guys that played Division I, plenty of women that have played Division I and not made it to the pro level. And then what? And there's people who have made it to the pros and within the first year blew out their knee and then what? No more accomplishments. When your confidence is in accomplishments, the problem happens when you don't accomplish anymore. Their confidence comes from what people say. Believe it or not, sometimes our confidence comes from everybody else admiring us, from everybody else saying really nice things to us until suddenly they start saying negative things. I was watching a, a video just today actually on uh, that girl, Rebecca Black, who did the It's Friday song. You guys remember that? And she was talking about, she kind of gave us the, the history of everything behind the song. And she's like, I was just a 13-year-old girl that saw some other girl do this at school. And I thought it was fun. And I wanted to get together with my friends and just do a silly video. And I didn't really plan for it to be anything big. It wasn't even a song I wrote. It was something that the company wrote. And it wasn't like I was trying to become this huge star. But then it got on one of those TV shows where they make fun of Internet things. And suddenly there was millions of views. And suddenly all these people just started commenting on how horrible she was and telling her to take her life. And at first she liked the praise until it became a different kind of praise. And we got to be careful because a lot of times our confidence comes from whether or not our mom and dad say something nice to us. Our confidence comes on whether or not our leader acknowledged us. Our confidence comes and whether or not we hear the things that we want to hear. The problem is sometimes those words don't come. See, true self-confidence comes from being confident in your relationship with the Lord. That's the stable thing. We talked about earlier, setting our heart on something stable. It's on the Lord. That doesn't shift. That doesn't shake. True self-confidence is confidence in the Lord. It builds you up, not from the outside in, but from the inside out. It builds you up from the inside out. It begins on the core of you and works its way out. It projects itself out into the world. This is an area that many of us, I think, struggle with. Because we don't take time to learn to become confident in our walk with God. And let me tell you something. When you can't be confident in your creator, you will never be confident around his creation. That's why the rest of the stuff messes with you. And honestly, it's such a mental game. It's such a difficult thing, but the mind is one of the greatest battlefields you and I will have to face. And if you can't learn these simple truths, if you can't put into practice, you will go from an insecure teenager to an insecure adult. And I can tell you from experience, there's plenty of us here, adults, who struggle with that. Because we didn't learn how to nip it when we were younger. Because we didn't learn from a younger age to put our confidence in God. Worship team, if you can help me out. Actually, this is a struggle I had um, two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, um, I was speaking at a camp in South Dakota. And I thank God that our team was able to do our normal stuff. And um, I'm grateful that Pastor Rick came in and spoke that night. But I had an opportunity to speak at a camp. So I go to this camp, and you guys have seen, I've gotten to do a bunch of camps before, and I've done a ton of retreats and events, and I've spoken at a number of places. But I'd never been to this camp, and I remember when I got there on Monday, 
the Lord spoke to my heart, and he said, someone's back is going to get healed this week. And I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> but I'll be honest with you. I struggled with the idea that I would be someone who would lead a service where someone would get healed. Because I thought, God, that's just not me. I've never done that. I've never been a part of that. I know guys that have done that. I respect a lot of men and women who flow in that gifting. And, and I put them on a pedestal and I'm like, yo, that's, that's another level. And God, I'm not at that level. But I remember the Lord spoke that to my heart. And I remember the Lord told me on Monday, it's not going to be today. So I was like, okay, cool, I don't got to worry about it. And then Tuesday comes along and the Lord's like, it's not going to be today. I go, okay, great. Hopefully you'll just forget about this, God. But then come Wednesday, during the day that God told me, today's the day. Someone's back is going to get healed today. So okay. So we're going through the service. And I'm preaching about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And at the end I do an altar call. And I say, hey, is there anyone here who wants to be filled with the Holy Spirit? And a number of kids rose their hand and we prayed and we asked God to fill us with the Holy Spirit. And many of them did and received the Holy Spirit for the first time. And they were speaking in tongues. They were uh, prophesying. It was really cool just watching God move throughout the room. And then I said, okay, those of you who have been filled with the Holy Spirit, we're going to pray now. And we're going to start using the power that God has given us through the Holy Spirit. And so I said, is there anyone here who struggles with healing and wants God to heal them tonight? Now, again... I don't normally go into that because I'm not really confident. I don't have a healing gifting that's never been my wheelhouse. That's not something I'm used to. And if I can be fully transparent with you, there's a part of me that's scared to ask if someone wants healing. Because what if I pray and they don't get healed, God? Then I'm going to look foolish. Then I'm going to look dumb. Then they're going to stop trusting you and they're not going to look to you. And they're not going to invite me back. And, and I'm going to be pointed out as a fraud and shown that I'm not as gifted as I maybe think I am. So there's all these thoughts that are going through your pastor's mind. Reasons why I wouldn't want to do that. And yet I wanted to be obedient. That's always been my heart. Listen to me if, if you're not hearing out. My heart has always been, God, I can be terrified and still be obedient. You hear me? You could be terrified but still be obedient. And so I wanted to trust God. I said, God, I'm scared, but I'm going to trust you. And so I said, hey, if anybody wants healing today, raise your hand. And there was a number of kids that did. And there was one boy in particular. His name is Toby. And Toby was in the front and... Toby raised his hand and said he wanted healing. And so I'm going around and I'm laying hands on people. And I have the students laying hands on people. And I come up to Toby and I said, Toby, what do you want healing for? Toby says, my back. I was like, oh, snap. Okay, this is, it got real now. I go, what's wrong with your back? He said, I got scoliosis. Now, if you don't know what scoliosis is, scoliosis is of a curvature of your spine. Your spine isn't straight. It's, it's curved. And it can have different degrees of curving. And... It hurts. It hurts a lot. And you can't bend all the way down without experiencing pain. So this kid has had scoliosis most of his life and his back's always hurting. And so I said, okay, let's pray. And so I'm praying and two other kids are praying. And we go and we pray and then I go around praying for other people and I come back to Toby and I'm praying. And in one of those moments when I'm praying, I'm praying and I felt the Lord as clear as day, check me. And God checked me hard. And as I'm praying, the Lord says, don't you doubt and I'm like, oh, you felt that, huh? <laughs> and I just remember the Lord speaking to my heart, don't doubt me. You do it all the way or get off the stage. And I said, okay, Lord, I'm not going to doubt you. And I prayed with all the faith that I had. 
And we kept praying, and then I moved over to the side, and I'm praying for some other kids. Suddenly, I hear, Pastor Joey, we have a healing. Pastor Joey, it worked, it worked. And I'm like, what? I'm Honestly, I'm surprised. Like, I know I should have had a lot more faith, but I'm like, no. And so I run over, and I'm like, what happened? They're like, it worked, God healed him. And I look at him, and I'm like, what happened? He's like, I don't feel nothing. I'm like, but like, what do you feel in your back? Nothing. I was like, are you for real? He's like, yeah. And I'm crying because I'm like, for real, for real? Like, don't play. Honestly, I'm looking at him. I didn't say this out loud, but in my head, I'm like, don't mess with my emotions, kid. This ain't a game. Did you really get healed? And he's like, yes. I was like, get on stage. And I pull him on stage. I was like, tell them what you told me. He said, I had scoliosis and God healed my back. And now I don't feel the pain anymore. And, man, I ain't even going to lie. I took a time out from the whole thing, and I just fell on the on the altar, and I just cried. I just bawled my eyes out. I was so overwhelmed. I was like, God, that was for me. I mean, I know it was for him. It was great. God healed you, scoliosis. That's awesome. <laughs> but there was a part that's like, God, that was for me. And I remember I, after that I went and I texted my wife, because obviously I got to tell my wife. I'm like, babe, you want just look what God did. God's so amazing. And my wife was like, she's so spiritual, I hate her. She's like, that's what we were praying for. Which, by the way, you know how special it feels to hear her say we were praying? Because I know she means her and the baby. And I asked her what the day before we left, I said, babe, would you pray for me? And I know she prays. And I know I pictured her in my mind sitting there holding her belly saying, okay, we're going to pray for Poppy now. And she said, we prayed that God would give you more faith this week. That God would grow your faith. And I was like, he did. Oh, man, I'm so pumped. Two days later, we wrapped up the camp, right? The, the message is done. People are singing. This girl comes up to me. They're, do they're doing the last song. She comes up to me, and she's crying. And she's like, I know I'm supposed to wait until the end of all this, but my back has been hurting all day. Could you please pray for me? And I'm like, what am I, a back healer now? Like, I, don't, I just can't pull it out of my butt, lady. Like, I don't know how to do this. And again, I was like, okay. And I just thought, well, God, you did it before. And again, remember we talked about confidence grows as your faith grows. And the more you trust in God, he gives you more confidence for the next one. And so I said, all right, bet. We did it once. Let's do this again. And so I called the lady over because I'm not going to put my hands on another woman's back without another lady there. And so we both laid our hands on on her back, and we prayed for about five minutes, and then we asked her to bend down and check it out, and it still hurt, and then we asked her to bend down and check it out, and it still hurt. And after praying for about five, ten minutes, she bends down, I think the third time, and when she comes up, she's bawling her eyes out. And I'm like, what do you feel? She's like, it worked. I don't feel anything anymore. And again, I'm like, I swear, if y'all are playing a joke on me at this camp, I'm going to be so angry with everybody. But she's like, it worked. I don't feel it. And she just hugged me because she was just so emotional and I was emotional. And I'm like, wow, God. And I remember with that first boy, I looked over at the two guys that were praying for him, the two students. Right after God had healed them, I looked at the two students and I said, for the rest of your life, you will never be able to doubt the Lord. You've seen it. You've seen it with your own eyes. doesn't matter what anybody says. doesn't matter what anybody does. Do you realize the confidence that you have in God, having sat and experienced him do a miracle in your very eyes? Matter of fact, I heard from one of the leaders a few days later that one of the boys, when he was praying, he said, as I was praying, I felt like my hand was on fire, and I got really scared, and I wanted to stop praying for him. 
because I didn't know what was going on. And I'm like, yo, that's so dope <laughs> that God would use him. But listen, it wasn't just about the kid with scoliosis. It was about the two boys that were praying for him. It was about the pastor that was leading that week. That God was building all of our confidence up so that maybe two days later when another person was asking for God to move, I would have the confidence to pray for her. Listen, if anyone has reason to be confident when it comes to outward sources, it was Paul. But listen to what he thinks in regard to confidence. Philippians chapter 3, verse 3 through 9. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. Though I could have confidence in my own effort if anyone could. Paul did amazing things. Paul saw heaven. Paul healed sick. Paul did, I mean, just number of things, miracle after miracle. I only got to see one. Paul did a ton of stuff. <laughs> he says, though I could have confidence in my own effort if anyone could. Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their efforts, I have even more. I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I am pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demanded the secretest, uh, strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous, so passionate that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. I once thought that these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Man, I used to love the praises of people. I used to love that people would tell me you're great and you're doing good and look at how good. He loved that he would follow all these rules and that he was admired. And Paul was set up to be the next main leader of his group. But he goes, man, all that is garbage. And what I've discovered in Christ Jesus, verse 8, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. So I'm going to ask you to stand. Listen to Paul's heart. Paul says, listen, I accomplished more things in God's eyes than any of you ever did. But I don't have confidence in God because of what I've done. I have confidence of God because who has done things for me in Jesus Christ. I have confidence in God because of who he is. And maybe you're here tonight and you've placed your confidence in the wrong things. Maybe you've put your confidence in being popular and accepted. You think wearing the right clothes and doing the things that everybody else does, somehow that's going to get you accepted. It might get accepted by a person, but you'd never be accepted by God for that. Maybe you think being an athlete or being the best in school somehow is gaining you confidence. Maybe you think money, fashion, having all the nice things, somehow that's going to make you a confident person. Paul says, I once considered those things valuable. But now they're worthless compared to what I found in Christ. So if you're here tonight and you're struggling with confidence and you've gotten to the point where you've constantly are putting yourself down, where you always think, God, pick somebody else, not me. I'm not the one. I, I can't do it. I want to have a chance to pray for you. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask you to just close your eyes for a moment. 
I want you to think to yourself. And in a moment, I'm going to call you out. And I know that's hard because of, you know, lack of confidence. <laughs> but I want you to start by taking a physical step. By saying with your physical body, God, I will step into you. And I will learn to trust you. And the worship team, they're going to lead us in a chorus in a minute. And we're just going to begin to talk to God during that time. We're going to begin to press in. And then when we're done singing that a time or two, I'm going to pray. And I'm going to pray that God would fill you with confidence. Not in your abilities and not what you can do, but that God would open your eyes to show you. It's not about being good enough. You never will be that. But God is always good enough. And God is good enough to take what little you have and use it for his honor and his glory. So with every head bow, every eye closed, if you're in this place and you say, Pastor, that's me. I need more confidence. I need more confidence in God. I don't want to walk around scared anymore. I don't want to be nervous about talking to my friends about Jesus because of what they might say. I don't want to have to rely on this world's affirmation to be who God called me to be. God, I want your confidence. I want to have the kind of confidence that Paul talked about. I want to look at all those other things and say, man, that is garbage compared to what I found in Christ Jesus. So in a moment, I want to pray for you. But before we get into that, is there anyone here? You've never made that decision to say yes to Christ. You don't have a relationship with him. Before you can have confidence in him, you got to know him. And so before we pray for everyone else, young man, young lady, if you're here tonight and you're saying, Pastor, I want to know what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. I want to start that. Would you just do me a favor right where you're at? No one's looking around. Would you lift your hand for a moment and just signal me? And I'm going to pray for you that God would accept you as his. If there's anyone here who's never done that, I want to make sure we do that before anything else. Praise God. Then I want to call you out. Those of you in this room, you say, Pastor, that's me. I struggle with confidence, but I want the Lord to fill me with his. Would you just do me a favor right where you're at? Would you walk out of your seat and meet me up here? And we're going to worship together, and then we're going to ask God to fill us with confidence. If that's you, come on, let's begin to step out. That's it. That's it. Come on. Step out in faith. Step out in faith. Don't worry about everybody else. Don't worry about everybody else. You want to have confidence, you got to step into it. Come on. Don't worry about everybody else. No one else is looking at you. Come on, find a spot up here. Listen, the worship team is going to sing. While they sing, if you know you need to be up here, I want to encourage you to start making your way up. Those of us that are up here, we're going to begin to set our heart right by worshiping and singing and preparing our hearts for what God has to receive us or to give to us. So come on, let's just begin to worship them, team. Lord, I thank you for every individual who had enough confidence and faith in you to even step out of their seat. And admit, God, I struggle in this area. And God, I pray even for those who struggle so much with confidence that they were unwilling to move from their seats. God, I pray would you help us as a group to grow in our confidence of you, God. Lord, we know our inadequacies, God. We understand our limitations. We know what we're not capable of. But Father, I pray that you would open our eyes to how limitless you are. 
to what you are willing to do through someone who is just willing to be faithful to you, God. Lord, the Bible says that you use the lowly things of this world to confound the wise. You use the things that people discard and dismiss to show that it's you who's doing it, not any of us. So, God, I pray, use us. Use our insecurities, God. Use our lack of faith. Use those moments where we think we can to show us that you can, God. And help us, Lord, that no matter how afraid we are, we could still be faithful. That no matter how much we worry, we would still step forward. That no matter how much we get into our heads, we would still allow our hearts to follow you, God. Help us, Lord to find confidence in you, to have enough faith to grow in that confidence, to take a step every day to get closer and closer to you and to grow in our relationship with you and our confidence in you. And, Lord, I even pray, help us to not forget those moments that you've built us up in. Help us to not forget those miracles that you've done. Help us to not forget those milestones that you did. Help us to not forget those small victories that lead into great victories, God. That we will no longer be held by our past, but we'll have confidence in our future because our confidence is in you. So, Father, I pray for a generation that is not thirsty for the rest of the world to build it up. I pray for a generation that's not waiting for likes when they can find love in you. I'm praying for a generation that could care less what people think about their picture and worry more about how you see them, God. Lord, I pray for a generation that's willing to lead even when no one thinks they'll follow. Father, help me. Help me to be confident in you as I lead your people, God. And help us to be confident in you as we lead the lost back to you. Father, we thank you for this moment. May they be filled with your Holy Spirit, God. May they be filled with their confidence. May they understand that greater is he that is in them than anyone that's in the world. We pray all this in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said? Come on, everybody said? Would you give God a hand clap of praise right where you're at? Now, a fair warning for those of you that came up. There's a good probability that God is going to put you in a position now that is going to require confidence. Okay? Part of this prayer is to prepare you for that moment. So don't be afraid if you're going to come up to a situation and you're going to start to freak out and go, I can't do that, and God's going to whisper in your ear, yeah, you never could, I can. <laughs> but I'm going to use you to do this. And so remember, even if you're afraid, you can still be faithful. Just trust God and trust his voice. Amen. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you next week.